0: Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. (sighs) I love our family. I love our family. And uh, I know this week, tomorrow, we're beginning orientation for the Academy, which is going to be so fun. Give me a wave if you are... Uh, attending the Academy this year. Let me see you. Woohoo it's gonna be so fun, hallelujah. And, um, and next, pardon. <laughs> and ne- so next week we're actually gonna get you all up and, and pray for you and celebrate uh, what the Lord's about to do. It's gonna be a wonderful, wonderful thing, hallelujah. I'm looking at, I'm just taking a moment to look at all your beautiful faces. Hello. If I haven't said hello, I love you, God bless you. It's so good to have Gary Shaw here with us. Gary is ministering for us on Friday night. It's going to be outstanding. We love you, and I know it's gonna be such a blessing. So why don't we just welcome him to. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I am looking forward to sharing with you today something the Lord's been putting on my heart. And uh, so let's just pray. Father, we say thank you for your grace. Lord, this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, teach us what it looks like to lean on your chest, to hear your voice, to drink deeply from the river of your pleasure for us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to commune with you in deeper and greater ways. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. hallelujah. Well, I've been enjoying reading the Word of God and uh, a few weeks ago, I, I was reading through the book of Revelation and it really stuck out to me in chapter six where there's all this tribulation going on. And the Lord makes this interesting statement. He says, but don't touch the oil and the wine and the lord just began to speak to me that even in the midst of tribulations and circumstances that seem to be going on around us god has a made available for us in fact he's commanded that there would have be continual access available to his Children, that they would have access to the oil and the wine, no matter whether it was raining or sunny, whether there was tribulation or peace. We have access to the oil and the wine. It is so important to the Father that He makes a deliberate point of it. Don't touch the oil and the wine because the Lord is wanting to make sure that we as His people have the continuous opportunity to drink deeply from the river of His pleasure, to drink and receive the joy of the Lord, which is our continuous strength, amen? So I've been thinking about this concept of wine and the concept of oil, and I I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of John, chapter two. Hallelujah. John chapter 2, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. This is a fascinating story. And so Jesus is at a wedding. And the weddings in the Middle East in those days could go on from three to seven days. And but the terrible thing that happened was that they ran out of wine, wine being a symbol of celebration. And so this was a terrible disgrace for the hosts and it was literally, figuratively, the end of the party because it was the symbol of wine was the celebration and that's what they were there for, to celebrate the bride and groom. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who'd drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. This was the beginning of the manifestation of Jesus' glory, it says. Yet it wasn't the first miracle that he did. He'd already seen that catch of fish come in with Peter throwing his nets over the other side. And yet it was noted as the beginning of the manifestation of his glory. You know, miracles manifest Jesus' glory. He is, the God of signs and wonders and miracles. He told us that we're not to preach the word with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power, hallelujah, And because it gives him glory. This was a creative miracle where he was creating wine out of water. It was a demonstration that, wow, this is God. This is a supernatural uh, thing that he has done, only God can create, and look what's happened, hallelujah. So I want to just look at this because it's a fascinating picture, a prophetic picture of the new covenant and what the Lord has done for us. First off, they begin with the problem, there's no more wine. You know, if you are having the function, you've got church going on, and you've got all the right elements in place, you've got the worship, you've got everything going on. But if the wine isn't flowing, then it is dry. That the true celebration, the joy of the Lord, without that, there's a problem. They had all the elements for the wedding. They had the bride, they had the groom, they had the guests, they had the reception. But without the wine, they couldn't go on. You see, God doesn't ask us to ever live without the wine. He asks us to continually lay hold of what He has mandated to protect for us that is, the wine of His presence, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Hallelujah. And so, in our services, in everything we do, in our day-to-day life. God doesn't ask us to go through the motions with all the right elements in place. He asks us to recognize that we have access to a free-flowing supernatural supply from heaven, a new wine that gladdens the heart, hallelujah. God's called us into his kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you are walking around as a very serious Christian who's always serious, talking about drama all the time and everything is serious or this problem and you're problem focused or sin focused, the Lord isn't asking you to go through life living a life of drama and um, problem focus. He's asking you, to take hold of the righteousness, peace, and joy, which is the embodiment of his kingdom. You see, God wants us to be the light of the world. He wants us to be the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing. If you are miserable and serious and annoying, and by annoying, I mean one of those people who has always you know, trying to pull the specks out of people's eye and tell them that, you know, they're they're terrible. That is not a reflection of who Jesus is. Jesus came to give life and life more abundant, hallelujah. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved, hallelujah. When people work with you, they should be working with someone who is continually bubbling up with supernatural joy. That whether things are going well at work or they're not, you are the one that stands out because you are marked by supernatural peace and supernatural joy, hallelujah. Because that is what makes the difference between us and those who don't have the Spirit of God. It should be noticeable. The joy of the Lord is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, faith, meekness. We need to be letting the fruit of the Spirit be manifested every day, not as a responsibility or a requirement, but as a natural overflow of deliberately by faith accessing the oil and the wine that God has reserved for you every day, hallelujah. So, then it's fascinating to me. Jesus says, it's not my time. And you think, I don't understand. You know, you've done this miraculous catch of fish. What is it? It, was he worried about, you know, suddenly being persecuted? Is that, was that the main reason that he didn't want to reveal things? Is it, is it because he hadn't yet been? I, I don't think so, because the Holy Ghost, the Father himself announced publicly when he was baptized. If, if they wanted to keep it a secret, the Father sort of blew it there because a voice out of heaven came publicly in front of everybody as Jesus was being baptized saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Ghost came upon him like a dove. And I mean, if it was supposed to be a secret, bit of a problem. So I don't think it was because Jesus wasn't ready to be seen. But when you look at this miracle, water being turned into wine, it represents something much deeper. It repre- represents the very reason Jesus came. Let me explain. You know, earlier in the Exodus, we see water being turned into blood, remember? And Moses was in Egypt. It was a sign of judgment. Yet here we have Jesus turning water not into blood but into wine. And it's being done by the use of ceremonial washing pots. You see, under the old covenant, judgment for sin was a very real thing. And so they were given, um, they were given, rituals and ceremonies that they could do, sacrifices that could be made, that would outwardly cleanse them, but would have no effect in cleansing their inner hearts and consciences. Nevertheless, they had to go through the effort of the ceremonial washing, and that's what these pots were for, to ceremonially cleanse themselves. I think it's no coincidence that Jesus caused the pots that were used for outward cleansing to be the very thing that he was going to use for this miracle. And there were six of them. In the scripture, God doesn't do anything haphazardly or without intention. Six is the number of man. Man was doing his best to obey God and to do what he could to clean himself up but Jesus was about to do what man couldn't do. Hallelujah. And I looked at it, as I was looking at it on the plane, I just started to get overwhelmed. It says here that each pot contained around 20 gallons. What's six times 20? 120. 120, does that number, ring any bells for you with regard to wine? Wasn't it 120 that were gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they spoke with new tongues? You see, I believe all of this was designed to foreshadow the filling of His Holy Spirit Spirit of jars, empty jars, God wanted to come and do a new thing where it wouldn't be outward, outward cleansing, but we would be transformed from the inside out by being filled with the wine of his Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah. But as, as you look at this, it goes even deeper than that. Just as in Exodus the water was turned into blood, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, ate the Passover with his disciples. What did they have? They had all the Passover elements, the lamb, and then he took the bread and the wine. When he took the wine in his hand, what did he say? He said, this is my blood. Jesus had turned water into wine, where in Exodus water had been turned into blood. Jesus was foreshadowing the new covenant that was about to come where he was saying, I am going to turn the outward parts of the law, the practices of the law where you haven't been able to achieve holiness or righteousness it could only happen by blood. I am going to make myself become the judgment. I am gonna take the judgment upon me. My blood's going to be poured out and it's going to be wine for you. I'm going to turn your mourning into gladness. I'm gonna take your sin and give you my righteousness. Now, it wouldn't be so awesome if he turned the water at the wedding into blood. That would not be so happy. Can you imagine them dipping the cup in and taking blood around? Now, Jesus wanted to bless them. He wanted them to have a joyful celebration. God is not wanting to, for us to have to face judgment, so He became sin, so we, hallelujah, could become the righteousness of God in Christ. He poured out His blood, so instead of us having to uh, pay the price for our sin, we could instead receive by faith the gift of His sacrifice And instead of having to go through um, eternal separation from God and punishment and judgment, we get to drink wine. And not just any wine, but the best wine. It's why it's called good news. What God has for us is so much more glorious than we could ever comprehend. That's why he says we need to pray for the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That we need to pray to be strengthened supernaturally with might in our inner being so we could understand Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend together with all the saints what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge that we may be Filled to overflowing, not with judgment and condemnation, but with all of him. Hallelujah. And, you know, it says, even goes to the detail here in this story of they filled the pots to the brim. There was no room for anything but wine. You know, we are called and referred to in scripture as jars of clay. And God's heart desire is to fill us to the brim and overflowing with all the fullness of God that every day, instead of being filled with pessimism and doubts and fears and worries, that we would receive the supernatural grace of God to be filled up to overflowing with all his fullness, with that which could be tasted by others. They went, and the master of the ceremonies went and got a a cup and he dipped into the jar to taste it. You know, others wanna be able to dip into your life and taste the wine. They don't wanna dip in and taste judgment. We've had the judgment dealt with, praise the Lord, so we don't need to be dishing it out to everybody else. Hallelujah. What do people experience when they dip into your jar? Ooh. Let me stay away from that. Or do they dip into your jar and go, I've never tasted anything as good as this.
1: I've never had anything
0: as wonderful as that. That's the heart of the Father for us. God wants you to be so filled and transformed that they don't taste what's ordinary. Water's ordinary, we drink water a lot. It's good for you. But people don't wanna taste the ordinary, they wanna taste the extraordinary. They wanna taste the supernatural, hallelujah. They wanna taste the love, the joy, the celebration. Do you know, I think another reason Jesus said, it's not my time, and yet did it anyway, is that the wine was also a symbol of marriage, a symbol of union. And when he was becoming sin, when he, his blood was being shed, He did that for the joy set before Him. And the joy that was set before Him was the hope that you would respond to Him. You would receive Him as Saviour and Lord and that you, having become righteousness by faith in His great goodness and grace, that you and He would be joined in a mystery that is... um, explained in the shadow of human marriage, but is so much more glorious, hallelujah. And Jesus was saying, I think it's not time yet for me to go to the cross, but it's coming. And, uh, and he did the act, the prophetic act of turning the water into wine as a foreshadowing prophetic act of what was to come, the, the enactment of the new covenant through his sacrifice, that his bride, he and her, us, the body of Christ, would be able to celebrate forevermore, hallelujah, in our union with him. Isn't it delicious? I kept looking at it and thinking, oh God, you're overwhelmingly glorious. You take something ordinary and you make it profoundly yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And you know, even, even the concept of this happening at a natural wedding, Tom and I, we're celebrating our 28th Woo-hoo! wedding anniversary, hallelujah. It, it was in January, but we're having a few days this week to celebrate. And um, you know, it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by, hallelujah. But God wants, in your natural marriages, in your natural lives, He wants to bless you with joy. He really does. He didn't have to do this, but He delighted to bless this wedding because God loves for us to be filled with joy and celebration, hallelujah. God wants for you to have life and life more abundant. I will say it unashamedly, he's a good father. If you think that he wants you just to get by and not be too happy because it might make you proud, you're serving the wrong God. God has already dealt with your pride when you gave yourself and received by faith what you could have no part in or earning, hallelujah, and when you learn what it looks like to drink deeply from the river of his pleasure for you, you reckon yourself dead, hallelujah, and alive to God in Christ. You don't have to be afraid of being blessed because the blessing is just the icing on the cake, not the thing that motivates you. Yes, that's it. When you've found the one, I mean, I meet, I, I meet so many people looking for the one, if I could just find the one, let me help you. I want to introduce you. My role in life is to be a matchmaker. And here it is, your perfect match is Jesus Christ, hallelujah. I've been given the job of reconciliation, the ministry of bringing you together, hallelujah. Actually, so have you. God supernaturally wants you to recognize the joy of what it looks like to live in union with him, being so deeply satisfied that as he pours out his blessing on the other parts of your life, you're not moved by it. You can rejoice in in, um, times of trial and tribulation, in times of blessing and abundance. You continually remain anchored and grounded drinking deeply of the best wine anyway, hallelujah, so that all these things can be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things get added. And And there's no fear that they're going to take away from what you're rooted and grounded in because you've discovered the source of true happiness. The source of true happiness is to be linked and drinking continually of the love, the wine of His Holy Spirit that fills us and helps us understand and comprehend the incomprehensible. Love of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. That we are accepted, we belong, we are affirmed, we are embraced, we are satisfied with not just a little bit or enough to get by, but with the best of the best. We have a love affair with Jesus that goes beyond anything the world could offer. It's better than food, it's better than money, it's better than anything in the natural realm. But then God's delight is to be a blessing. He delights to help us, He delights to, to give us the best wine, hallelujah. Thus He revealed His glory and demonstrated His power. You know, I really believe that as we learn what it looks like to let the Father fill us with His Spirit on a daily basis to the brim, all the questions about your destiny, all the questions about your happiness become answered. Because when you're filled to overflowing with Him, filled to the brim with the new wine, the joy of being in connection with Him, then everything that flows out of your life is going to be an example, a taste, and a demonstration, a manifestation of the glory of the true God. Every conversation you have will be a taste, a manifestation of the glory of God because you today are partaking of this wine that they tasted at that wedding. Jesus Christ has become the wine of the Spirit. He has become our great bridegroom, our satisfaction. So Father, we say thank you. You are magnificent. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd teach us how to access your wine, that you'd help us to continually be reminded that we're not trying to clean ourselves up by earthly, natural methods, not trying to make ourselves acceptable on the outside without the power of your Holy Ghost transforming us from the inside. Father, I'm asking that you'd help us to access true transforming joy. Lord, that would so richly satisfy us that nothing else could possibly take away our attention or our focus. You know, we can have this, but unless you deliberately drink it, it's there in theory for you. Tom has been making some kombucha from from your, your special SCOBY. I got it wrong first, I said Scooby, but it's not, it's (laughs) Scooby. And apparently, today, it exploded. (laughs) But it's a good thing, apparently. That's a good thing. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, he's been looking after it and waiting for it to develop and become awesome. It tastes really good, hallelujah. So thank you very much. But you know, it's of little use to anybody if it just stays in the bottles in the fridge. Unless we go and open it up and drink it, we don't get the benefit of it. God has laid a banqueting table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's laid it all out for you. He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. You've got access to the deepest, richest satisfaction that you've ever possibly imagined and so much more. You have access to the greatest love in the universe. You have access to your greatest, deepest desire every day. He's commanded that the enemy can't touch that. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. But you have to deliberately choose to say, here I am today, I'm going to draw on the daily bread you've got for me. I'm going to draw on the river of your pleasure today. This is who I am, I am a Christian and this is what it looks like. I drink deeply from the river of your pleasure. I'm filled with your righteousness. I'm empowered to walk in holiness because your spirit lives in me. I have the joy of the Lord which is my strength. I will rejoice and again I will say rejoice be happy be exceedingly glad I will give thanks. I will praise him. I will declare the goodness of the Lord. I will expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will run with fire, with the wind of his spirit toward the promises of God. I'm not going to sit back and get lazy and say, when's it going to happen? But I'm going to drink deeply of the hope that he wants to give me every day that I might run in faith to lay hold of and take hold of everything he's put on the table for me to have. The Holy Spirit is stirring on the inside of you like Tom's kombucha, I think. <laughs> wanting to bubble up and overflow. Amen. <laughs> it's time to let him. It's time to give him permission to let you be joyful. God wants you to be overflowing with joy doubling over with supernatural joy. It's not a joy that's circumstantial. It's not a joy that says, I'll be happy when this happens or when that breakthrough happens or when my son, when my daughter, when my husband. I'm not gonna put off my happiness or put it into the hands of a circumstance. I'm gonna take hold of what I've got available to me today. That is the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Hallelujah. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna drink it, I'm gonna slurp it, I'm gonna have it, and I'm gonna let the world taste what's in me and recognize it is the best of the best. It's the best of the best. When you've given your life to Christ, you've become the best of the best. That's not an arrogant statement, as He is, So are you in this world. And you believe it as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So when you interact with people, you'll be thinking to yourself, if you only knew who you were talking to. You'll be in faith getting excited about what they're about to taste with their taste buds when they taste of your words of love when they taste of your overflow. If you're here today and you know in your heart you haven't made that connection with Jesus where you've said, yes, Lord, I want to give you my life so I can receive your life. God wants to fill you with Himself. Without that, without His righteousness, the Bible says, no one can see God. Without His transforming life, we can't be joined to Him because light cannot, by its very nature, have fellowship with darkness. So God made a way for us to become light that we might become pure and clean and holy, not by our ceremonial rituals, but by the transforming work of His Spirit through the sacrifice of His Son. But it takes us to say, yes. Mary said, whatever He says, do it. In order for this miracle to happen, there had to be an act of obedience. And that obedience is us saying, yes, God, I wanna deliberately come, give you my sin, my shame, my life, present myself to you as a stone jar that needs you. I need you as my Lord and Saviour. I wanna make Jesus my Saviour. I wanna be filled with Him. I want to be transformed. I want to be saved. When you Do that, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that He died and rose again, that He's the Son of God, you will be saved. If you're here today and you say, yeah, that's me, I want today to be the day I cross the line and I go from living a life of the ordinary to step into the place where I receive the transforming grace of God to be saved, I wanna pray for you. If that's you and you say, I wanna respond to the mercy of God, I wanna receive the gift of salvation today, would you wave your hand at me? I wanna pray for you. I'd love to be able to perform some matchmaking duties today to introduce you to the one who loves you better than life. Is there anyone here today that says, yeah, that's me? I wanna give my life to Christ today. I wanna receive Jesus as my Lord. If you know in your heart you're not walking with him, but you say, yes, I wanna give my life to him. Let me see your hand, I wanna pray for you. Is there anyone here today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us.